sins away. Oh, say my time glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. We're delighted to have you with us today. Thank you for being along. We get together here every single day, five days a week, at this time on this station. I know that many of you are joining us every single day. Some of you maybe are with us once in a while, and others of you maybe are just finding us here. And we're grateful that you're along, whatever the case, and we hope that you'll join us as often as you possibly can. I hope also that you'll check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com. Lots of good things there for you, things that will be of interest to you, and I hope that you'll do that to get acquainted with us, and at the same time you may find things there that will be a help to you. Don't forget our Sword of the Lord Men's Conference will be right here in Murfreesboro at the Sword of the Lord Auditorium, November 12 and 13. We are looking very quickly now, just a little less than one month, and we look forward to having many of you guys here. That's a Friday night and a Saturday, and it'll be a blessing to you. I promise you that it will. Well, let's get right to our study today. We've been looking for several days now at a series of messages that are based around two thoughts, who we are and what we do. That's Christians. That's the born-again child of God that I'm talking about, who we are and what it is that we do. And here are the terms that we've noted from the Bible that describe who we are and what we do. In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us that we are made kings and we are made priests. That is, the Lord gives us a royal status and he makes it possible for us to have access directly to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that we are ambassadors representing the Lord, we are his witnesses, telling what we know about him. We are an holy nation, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, meaning a nation within a nation. We are a peculiar people. The Lord has purchased us. We are his possession. We are servants. We are stewards. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Yesterday, we looked at the fact that we are also soldiers for the Lord Jesus. That's why he told us in verse number 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 that we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now today, I want to introduce you to another term that also tells us something about who we are and what we do. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he, that is Jesus, saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. That 19th verse, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, these guys were fishermen professionally. And I know some of you, no doubt, that I'm talking to right now are fishermen. Some of you will do everything that you can to make time in your schedule to get out, get the boat in the water, and go after fish. You love to fish. No doubt it is a hobby for some of you that you absolutely adore. Well, the guys that Jesus is talking to here in Matthew chapter 4, that's what they did for a living. They were professional fishermen. 
Now, I've learned a few things, although I'm not much of a fisherman. I've gone with some good fishermen. I'm telling you, I have fished with some guys who knew where to go, what to do when they got there, and we came back with fish. Now, sometimes when I've gone by myself, I didn't know where I was going or what to do when I got there, and I came back empty-handed. But these guys like this, they decide what they're after. I'm well aware that sometimes you say, I'm going to go catch catfish, or I'm going to go catch crappie, or I'm going to go fishing for bass. Now, you say, how do you know what's in the lake? These guys who are professional at this, they figure out what it is that they're after, and they do go after them. And of course, they go where the fish are. You do not fish for fish on dry land. You don't go up into the mountain somewhere and climb a peak, but instead you find the mountain lake. You find the lake in the valley. You find the place where the the fish live, and you go there where they are. And of course, you take the equipment that you need. Sometimes when I was a boy, we'd go to a pond, and we'd take a knife and just trim a little willow branch off of a willow tree and tie a string and a hook to it. And I mean in the most primitive kind of a way, We created something so that we could fish, and we'd catch some little catfish doing that, and that is fishing. It is what we do sometimes when we don't have a lot of fancy equipment. But I know there's also the sophisticated fishing where you have a big fancy boat and you've got all kinds of equipment to work with, and you do that. But whatever the case, whether you're doing something simple or something sophisticated, you wet the hook and you put it into the water with bait on it and you wait. You're patient. A fisherman cannot get impatient. He cannot just get there and say, okay, fish, I'm here. Get on the hook. I'm going to pull you in. He cannot do that. You have to be wise. You have to be patient. You have to know what you're doing and just take your time in the process. And once the fish bite, then you begin to reel them in. Now, here's the difference. When you catch live fish, you get them in the boat, they're going to die. But the Bible tells us that all men who are unsaved, that they're dead in their trespasses and in their sins. You'll read that in Ephesians chapter 2. And the Bible is right in that. Men without Christ, they may be alive physically, but spiritually they are dead. And whenever you and I find a spiritually dead person, and when we, in effect, reel them into the Savior... We bring them in, and they're no longer dead, but they come to life. They now have life. So we're making it possible for those who are spiritually dead to have spiritual life. That is our Great Commission task. And when this passage says very early on here, in the early part of Matthew, when it says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm just reminded that that is what following Jesus is about. We're to go after others. The Great Commission task is very clearly stated in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus, again, is the speaker, and he says to his disciples, Go ye therefore. That means we can't just sit in our living room, but we've got to get out and go where the fish are. And he says, And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is the assignment. We're to go out there, tell people the story, make converts, win people to Christ, get them baptized, and then teach them all the things that Jesus has taught us. That is our Great Commission assignment. That is the task that we have. That's why every single church ought to be a soul-winning church. It ought to be an evangelistic church. Your church ought to have hooks in the water 
letter where that you are doing everything you can to reach every possible person who lives in your general area. That is just the kind of thing that we need to be doing. I'm reminding you now that this message, we're talking about who we are and what we do. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. There's some Old Testament principles that come into play here. I look back to three of them here. In Psalm 126 and verse 6, the passage says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That simply means that if you and I will sow the seed, do it warmly, do it with compassion, then we can expect a harvest. We can expect that things will happen if we will do what we ought to do. There's a similar principle in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, where it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. That simply tells me that when you know the Lord, when you are a righteous person, you have the righteousness of Christ appropriated to your account, and you know that you're saved, if you will follow the Lord in doing what he's asked you to do, then it will produce. You will, in fact, have influence upon others. There's a similar passage in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, which says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Here again, you and I are just reminded, we are the light of the world. Turn the light on. Let it shine. And whenever we shine like a star, then others will be influenced by that, and many will turn to the Lord because we have been letting our light shine. These principles from the Bible in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3, Proverbs 11.30, and Psalm 126.6, they really lay the groundwork. They set the pace for telling us that we need to be letting our influence happen, letting our testimony be told, and just doing everything that we can day by day to make the message clear. In John chapter 1, there's the story of Andrew going after his brother, and that passage in verse 40, 41, 42, is a great illustration of how we make this happen. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now remember, Simon Peter's not saved at this point. Andrew has just learned about the Savior. Verse 41 says, He, Andrew, first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. Now, folks, this is a classic illustration of what needs to happen when you and I take seriously that following Jesus means becoming a fisher of men. Andrew, the Bible says, first, he put a priority on it. As soon as he got saved, he couldn't wait to tell his brother. He first findeth. What's he doing there? He's going out looking for his brother. I don't know, maybe he went all over town that morning, sticking his head in one shop after another, saying, has anybody seen my brother? He's looking for his brother to tell him about the Savior. In fact, this word findeth right here in this paragraph, four times that word find or found occurs, and it's the Greek word eureka. I mentioned that to you because nobody goes around just looking lackadaisically, but instead this word eureka, it's got excitement with it. And Andrew is all stirred up. He's excited because he has found the Savior, and he goes to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah. We found the Christ. Now, dear friends, 
if you just want to live your life, a good Christian life, and you think that people will see how well you behave and what a good attitude you have and that they will come to Christ, if you think that's going to be your witness and your testimony, I want you to do that. You certainly should do that. But nobody's going to get saved simply because that you live a good life. The fact is, Nobody can tell by looking at you what they need to do to go to heaven until you and I open our mouth and tell them like Andrew did, we have found the Savior. We have found the Christ. It's necessary for us to tell them what they need to know. See, if somebody just looks at me and says, well, you live a good Christian life and I'm going to do like what you do, they can come and track after me and do everything that I do or everything that you do and still not be saved, still not know the Savior. We have to open our mouth and tell them that Jesus died on the cross. He arose from the grave. He paid our sin debt. He purchased salvation for us. And when we tell folks that, then we can tell them what the Bible says, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you come to Christ, then you can tell other people as well, just like Andrew did. There's another story there in verses 44 and 45 about Philip going after Nathaniel. So we have two illustrations here, family going after family, friend going after friend. And almost everybody that you know is either family or friend. And you and I have the illustration, we have the example here of doing what we ought to do to win others to Christ. You ought to read through the book of Acts just looking for the precious testimonies of how these early Christians got all excited, all stirred up about telling people about the Savior. You can do that too. I can do that too. And we should do it because we have been made fishermen for the Lord. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So dear friends, if I follow, I fish. And if I'm not fishing, I'm gonna say to you, I really am not following. And I hope that you'll decide that you too are going to be a fisher of men. Well, I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. And in the meantime, I hope you'll write to me because I would love to hear from you. It's a joy to be here at this microphone five days a week. And I look forward to hearing from you. I trust that you'll write me a note and let me know that you hear the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099 Murfreesboro, Tennessee 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Thank you for getting in touch. And until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of this day and goodbye for now.